0: Imagine being able to ask any question about church issues and practices at any time. Imagine getting a response in 24 hours or less. Imagine a team led by Tom Rayner answering your questions. It's like having your own church consultant on staff, and it's only $14.97 per month. That's only 49 cents per day, and there's no long-term commitment. You can try it today at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. You'll also get a free virtual staff meeting led by Tom Rayner every single month. Again, join us at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. Got church questions? Get church answers. Hi, and welcome to EST. Hey, and welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for the established church by established church leaders. My name is Josh, and my co-host today is Micah Fries. How are you today, Micah?
1: I'm excited about being on the uh, podcast for the slurvish church pastors. I know. <laughs> 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 uh, 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 that was just pass- for you, man. Nothing, I know. Uh, <laughs> I just, little, 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 little.
0: It's not like I haven't said EST church a billion <laughs> times, so yeah yeah
1: and where's sam at man he's uh of course i wasn't on the last episode that you recorded with him and now he's not on this one that you're recording with me you're yeah. the constant josh
0: i i'm the i'm the i'm the
1: you're the glue that holds, holds the whole thing together
0: well i couldn't come up with a kind of analogy like that that isn't overdoing what i do i just sit here you know i'm the yeah. i'm the i'm, the, I'm the, at least going to be there so sam uh he's he's got a coaching session he's actually coaching a a church right now so revi work which he does on the side which that's his that's his side hustle everybody has to have a side hustle man (laughs) that's a thing these days so that's his side
1: hustle yes i love it he's gonna love hearing that (laughs) (laughs) well it
0: was funny um but, you know, if you haven't listened, you all got to go back and listen to episode 92. We talked about heroin church and the work that Wes Bradenton's doing down there, which is really fantastic.
1: And when you say heroin church, you mean churches that are caring for people involved in the heroin epidemic, not churches right. that have heroines in them. Right, right, right. To help right. provide leadership. Okay, there we
0: go. sure right. Um, and he kept talking about, like, you got to get your people on the street. And he said it's so um different than what the way you picture sam you know he's like you got to get him on the street <laughs> and, 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 was, <laughs> has like, sam
1: yeah, ever been on the street in his whole life that's I what i, I mean know. he
0: has but not that way and so uh, <laughs> i was like i was thinking in my mind i'm like when i think of street preachers man i think of sam that's who i think of that's so. awesome so we're going to talk about something a little bit different a little less street savvy and we're going to talk about a business
1: meeting. Yes. <laughs> Don't you love oh, those? Oh man, everybody's cringing right now. Here's this is the topic that nobody ever really gets excited about, but everybody needs to pay attention to. They
0: have to do it. If, I mean, if it's at now, every let's church. say.
1: It's at every church that has some sort of uh, uh, congregational governance. Right. Yeah. So if, you know, for those of you who are listening who maybe don't have congregational governance, you should listen for good stories. Sure. But uh, for the rest of us... (laughs)
0: This is why we're not Baptist. Yeah, this is exactly... (laughs) This is why we don't do
1: it that way. But, but, I mean, you know, for those of you who lead a church that has some sort of form of congregational church governance, this is pretty important.
0: It is. You know, and here's the thing, and I'll just kind of... We'll unpack this a little bit more, but yesterday afternoon which was a Sunday. We're recording on a Monday. Yesterday at the close of the service, I was reminding the church that we are going to have church conference tonight. You know, that's when I said it. And so I said, and I say this every time, if you are a guest with us or you're checking out our church, let me strongly encourage you to attend our church conference. And you might be thinking, wait a second. You just called a business meeting some other little name, and you're trying to trap me into a business meeting. And I say this and mean it. I try to get every guest we have or, you know, people who are checking out the church to attend our church conferences. And I say, you're not going to necessarily have a vote if we have to vote on something, but you get to see the way we are when we make decisions, when we Mm -hmm. have to celebrate things. You also get to hear a lot of the things that, you know, we just don't kind of work into our worship services. And so without fail, every person who has ever attended our church conferences ends up joining our church because Mm -hmm. they see – how the sausage is made, so to speak, and they see kind of behind the scenes. And so I personally love uh, business meetings. We call them church conferences. What do you guys call them at Brander?
1: We call them members' meetings. Cool, yeah. Yeah, so we have members' meetings. We do it quarterly. How often do you guys do yours? Three times a year. Three times a year. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you do it in thirds. Yeah. Yeah, we do it quarterly. Ours is coming up uh, this Sunday, as a matter of fact. It's that time of year. So you guys did yours last week. Ours is this coming week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Normally, ours would be on... um, Ours would normally be on the third week in August, but that's the launch Sunday of our North Georgia campus, and so we that. are, yeah, we're doing our members meeting at our North Georgia campus this week cool. to give everybody sort of a sneak peek and yeah. uh, let them see what it looks like. Now, here's the problem. Our jo- North Georgia campus can seat maybe in the auditorium 250 people, mm-hmm. and so um, we're going to be sitting on top of each other for our members meeting, literally oh, yeah. probably sitting in laps, but that's uh, cool. You take know, we lots thought of pictures, lots of we pictures. We will take lots of pictures. Those will look good on the. We, we just thought, you know, <laughs> this will be fun. It gives everybody a chance to see it, and the building looks absolutely. Unbelievably incredible and so we thought it'd be a fun way for people to get excited one hundred
0: percent agree with you It does yeah. look fantastic really excited about that.
1: Thanks, man Yeah, so we do members meetings we do them quarterly one of those is designated as our annual meeting that actually happens to be the one We're doing this week mm-hmm. which uh, our is annual, budget it is not this is the odd thing our budget is not done at our annual meeting Our budget is done halfway through the year because our budget goes from March 1 through the end of Fe- uh, February which is a really odd church budget, and I've still not 100% figured out how that is, but <laughs> that's how it is. So we usually vote at our members' meeting in February on our budget that begins in March, so we hope okay. and pray that it passes. Yeah. Um, but no, at this meeting, we'll vote on um, you know the new committees. We don't have a whole lot of committees. We've got finance. We've got... Um, um, Uh, personnel and -hmm. we've got trustees which are our legal representatives and so we'll vote on who who those members are and then we'll appoint a whole bunch of teams at this meeting but uh, it's still our our members meetings tend to be fairly quick fairly concise I mean we do old business new business we welcome new members we excuse you know members who have passed away or who have moved to another church or church discipline that sort of thing but usually the business portion of our members meetings takes 20 to 30 minutes probably Mm -hmm. that's probably about right for us what about for you guys Well, our format's a
0: little bit different, but similar. We'll do um, usually about two songs, congregational type of singing together. Then, well, we have elder prayer, and then we go through a a report. Uh, Every ministry turns in a little couple pages of reports, and the way I coach them is to say, in your report, make sure you kind of update us on what's been going on. Also, I want you to celebrate people, so highlight... Two or three names of people who are doing really great and then your upcoming events that you want everybody to be aware of. Sure. And so I lead the meeting and just go through and highlight those things. So the kid ministry did this. I don't read it and I don't hit everything, but just some of the highlights. And and maybe right. sometimes I'll give some behind the scenes things. So a great example is our our children's minister is great at celebrating other people, but she hardly ever, you know, gets some of the limelight. So mm-hmm. in these meetings I really kind of point out something she did or right. somebody else did. Um, then we move through. We we um, we have an updated kind of like year-to-date budget report and mm-hmm. our balances, all those sort of things. Then, and that part, you know, takes, I don't know, on average 30 um, to 40 minutes. We always do doxology at the end. It's just our little slant towards tradition and we like it. So um, 30 to 40 minutes, I would say. And um, we don't do a lot of voting. We're just not... We don't have a lot of items to vote on. Um, mm-hmm. But once a year, that third one, we do our budget. And uh, and so that's the big vote. And if there's any other things, we'll do that. But
1: I, yeah, I mean, ahead. what you're describing is similar to ours, Josh. We open with some singing. Um, mm-hmm. we, we do that for sure. And then we do the same thing, you know, old business, new business. We go through and do some reports. We don't do nearly as many as uh, reports. as We don't have a huge book of reports that are quite as extensive as what you're describing. Yeah. Um, now, I'll tell you a couple just – well i 'll get to that in just a minute, so yeah we do we do those reports and then um, and, uh, and and vote on a few things there 's not a lot, but we vote on a few things uh, as far as that 's concerned mm-hmm. One of the things i 'll tell you a few things that we 've done recently that have been really, really helpful that might be helpful tips to those who are listening um, one when it comes to proposals of new business. We've actually created a new policy a little over a year ago where all new business has to be smi- submitted in advance to the church office no later than Wednesday prior to the members meeting. Okay. And our commitment is if you submit I mean cuz our our governance our polity allows any member to submit a piece of new business. And so we're not going to restrict that at all. We're just asking that it be submitted in advance because those who have to who are responsible for managing the facilities, the finances and the implications of any policy changes or any approval of you know, new motions, Mm -hmm. Uh, the staff, we need to have a moment to look over that and understand what the implications are going to be for the proposed motion, whatever it might be. Hmm. So uh, new, new business can't ever be proposed from the floor of our meetings anymore. They're proposed in writing in advance at least three days. If you propose it in writing, it's going to be on the agenda. So we're not trying to hide things. We're not trying to keep people from being able to vote on things. We just want to be able to give intelligent answers to questions about what, what's being proposed. Okay. Hmm you're proposing this. Let's just talk about what the bu- budget implications are and what the personnel implications are and finance and that, you know, that sort of thing. In my experience, a lot of times when churches have members meetings, there's no control over what's going to happen at in the moment. And people can get very excitable and uh, emotional and, and they can approve things without really understanding the ramifications of what they're approving. And so, uh, that and the, decision, sorry, go
0: staff ahead or leadership, you know, they're ill-equipped that's the first time they've heard of this idea. right and, you know, so they don't know how to, to, to respond yeah yeah and
1: before you know it something's been passed and the whole church you know the church has been changed and the, the people who god's given you to lead and to provide wisdom, have not had any opportunity to really weigh in 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 an intelligent way and help provide some guidance. And so I know that there there, there was when we first did this, there was some first six months, there was people who thought we were trying to hide business or keep people from being able to make business. They said, well, that's not the Baptist way, you know, that sort of thing. We said, no, let's just back up. It is absolutely anybody who wants to submit business can. It's a congregational vote. We're going to take it to the floor. We just need to be able to provide informed answers to your questions. And so and, and it's been really helpful to us. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing that we've done, and I know a lot of other churches have done this too, we try and connect our members meeting to a significant congregational experience. Okay. And so um, at our last members meeting, which happened to be in May, we ordained um, one of our guys on staff and sent him to Phoenix to plant a church. And so his ordination service was our members meeting. At our members meeting this coming week, we'll do another ordination for one of our guys on staff who's about to become our new associate uh, missions pastor and so we're ordaining him to the ministry and so um, we do worship we do members sort of business and then we try and do some sort of congregational activity and uh, yeah so one it helps it it's it's not just a business meeting if it was a business meeting it's 20 30 minutes which is what it used to be we would have a hard time getting people to engage and be there We want to get people engaged. We're also trying to get – we know that in most churches, business meetings tend to be dominated by older generations because they're more experienced in this. Maybe their commitment level or institutional loyalty is a little higher. We're trying to help engage younger generations in the process. And so we recognize that that there needs to be something beyond just voting yes or no on stuff to help them come. And we found it to be very, very – successful at helping get a larger crowd to come to our members meetings by doing things like uh, like this where we do worship, we do business and then we do some sort of congregational activity.
0: Right. And I'm not the first one to say it, but I think other people have. We always call it, you know, this is a church conference come celebrate what God has done and is continuing to do in and through our church. So That's right. all of the reports, all of the everything is spoken or reported or given from the standpoint of celebrating over the last and so we find things to celebrate and make a big deal out of and recognize and all of that sort of stuff. So I think you're right, those those old school kind of ideas where you're just, you know, giving off rogue numbers and that sort of stuff and mm. then there's a fight. Mm. Nobody wants to go to that. And, yeah, well, that's right. There are a few that do, but they need to <laughs> repent. And, and, that, and that brings up another, I have, I have two kind of similar tips. One is uh, try to rework, and I can provide this for people. In fact, we had somebody um, through Twitter asked me for this this week. A more simplified or easier to read and understand um budget update or is if yeah. a lot of churches do that yeah. we have an extremely simple one that you can see easily what percentage of the year we're at what percentage of our budget has come in what percentage of each line item has been spent your overall percentages we have those we have the actual numbers and those sort of things and we have it more lumped in together so if you have maybe i don't know 20 items under your children's ministry maybe all of that doesn't need to be reported just a line item of children's ministry and how they're doing and how, are, how they're stewarding the money my suggestion has always been because a lot of these reports end up just being whatever accounting software you use you just print it out and then hand it out the problem is those are for accountants they're for people who understand spreadsheets and understand that sort of stuff and a lot of your members don't you want them to be well informed so my philosophy has been make those available um, if somebody were to request it. They understand it. They want to see the details. They want to you know, drill down. That's great. But for our reporting purposes to the whole church, we provide this very simplistic overview um, that's easy to read, easy to hold people accountable to. So that's my first suggestion. I think that really changed everything. Everybody began to feel much more informed and in how they're relating to things, even though we were actually technically giving them less information, but it was the information they needed. The other thing that we do, um, which is probably a small church kind of thing. I'm, I'm sure larger churches could do it as well, but, um, we have these competitions following our service and it's for the same ideas, kind of like what you're saying with the, um, you know, getting other people involved. And so the way ours breaks down is in the spring, we follow it up with a salsa competition. Now that's salsa the dip, chips and dip, not dancing. And so we have this salsa. In the summer we do baked goods. We've done homemade ice cream before, Um, but last night our competition was baked. So it was pies and uh, cobblers. And then um, in the fall we do chili. And it's super simple. You just kind of, you get your dish there a little early. If you're not entering in the competition, you just bring something to share. And um, while we're in the meeting, there's three or four judges back there who are tasting things and, and come up with a little, you know, somebody won. And then we have these three plaques that hang in the hallway uh, towards our kitchen. One is the sultan of salsa, one is the boss of baking. <laughs> and the other one is the uh, chief of chili. And every, and you go back there now and there's a name and a date. And it's got one of those multiple pla- uh, little plates. We just pull the plate off, get it, you know, whatever embossed and then we put it back up there and uh people are so proud of that and it it cost us next to nothing and um it got a lot more attendance because people are actually coming for the chili cook-off they're actually coming for but they they participate in the business we talk about the business and that sort of stuff and then and then we just have fun with it and so it feels much more like a sort of an old school fellowship celebration church time instead of Rogue business meetings. So those are two little easy to follow tips, I think, as as well as turning it into a celebration is what you're doing there.
1: Yeah, let's let's talk about some more practical tips if we can. A, a couple of things that I would say uh, often with younger pastors in particular, Josh. So let's just assume that we've got a number of younger pastors who are listening to this. They often underestimate the importance of business meetings. Mm-hmm. Particularly, they underestimate the importance of their church polity. Right, Hmm. and uh, they get they either um, they either think well it's kind of boring or it doesn't matter or it's old school. Understand your governance, your polity is in many ways almost everything about your church. And so, first, I would say nobody should know your church bylaws better than you do. Uh, next to your Bible, your bylaws ought to be pretty well ingrained in your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to need it because, for one, if you're leading well, it doesn't matter how well you're leading. Everybody has um, pushback at some point in the church. You need to understand your constitution and bylaws so that you know whether or not something is an appropriate um path to take in terms of whether it's appropriate or not, whether, you know, whether it's consistent and in keeping with your governance or not. So number number one, I would say, I would ask the question to a young preacher, do you know your church governance? Do you know your bylaws? Do you know them extraordinarily well? And then, um, as you think about knowing your bylaws, knowing them really well and how you, um, how you lead in and through those things. Try and lead in such a way that's consistent with your bylaws. I, I think oftentimes we try and sort of ignore the bylaws and just sort of do what we can as we can, rather than knowing your bylaws and working in and through those bylaws to be mm-hmm. able to uh, to be able to lead the church. You'd be amazed at how much leadership can be provided if you would just know your bylaws and uh, and and understand what it looks like to lead in and through that. Let me let me give you a few examples. Uh, the first church I um, pastored in Missouri, uh, Missouri Valley Baptist Church, awesome church. They were so good to me, but uh, functioned in many ways like a lot of small rural churches do. And so we had bylaws and we had um, a budget that we got approved every year. And then our At our members' meeting, we called them business meetings. Our business meetings, which at the time when I got there happened every month, we would have our monthly business meeting, and they would read the financial report. The financial report was a a line-by-line reading of the check register for the church, and we would just, well, we had this expenditure, we had this expenditure, we had this expenditure, and then we would vote to approve it. And I said, guys, first of all, we're voting to approve what's already been spent, so it really doesn't matter whether we vote to approve it or not. (laughs) <laughs> it's, already, it's already the check's been written. It's done. It's it. paid, right? Yeah. So, so a lot of well, they had just done it that way forever and ever and ever. So they, you know, they didn't think about it that much. And I said, secondly, we approved a budget at the beginning of the year, so we're not going to vote anymore on anything we've already approved. Once we approved the budget, like yeah. we approved a budget, we're going to spend the money that we've approved. And um, unless you come in and say we're going to vote to change what we've already approved, we're not going to deal with it. Well, it was amazing how that one little change, just by paying attention to the process, paying attention to how our constitution read and our bylaws read and how our finances, uh, finances worked, uh, freed up a tremendous amount of time and turned our business meetings from being a little bit more dull into something a little more compelling and uh, then gave me the freedom as a leader to actually lead. I didn't have to constantly go back every month and say, well, can I spend this? And I said, no, look, we've already approved a budget. And what I'm spending is in consistency with this category of the budget. So I'm going to go ahead and spend it and we're going to move forward with it. So know your bylaws, know them extremely well and, and work within them. You you know, use your bylaws as your friend, as your advantage, as you try and lead the church.
0: A little side note, you talk about, you know, we passed the budget. You can spend within your budget, that sort of thing. That's so freeing. If you take a church and maybe it's your first church with uh, a couple staff or something like that, don't micromanage other people's budgets. Now give them the chance. I've, Had a couple situations where I'll have to go in and say, Look, you're way over, or you're getting really close, and it's February. Um, You know, we started in January, it's February. You've almost spent your whole budget. Are you really planning out and budgeting your money the way you need to? That's right. And um, so, but I've seen staff change when I've been in situations where I get micromanaged, you know, like, Hey, I need to go buy a Bible, and it, you know, they really jump on me for that, or I have the freedom to do things. It's a lot more freeing to do that. So I would just encourage the church and the leaders to not micromanage those sort of areas. And then the other thing that you said there with knowing your bylaws, I can't agree more, even though, um, you know, we changed our bylaws here. But I would strongly suggest people who are taking a new church or leading their church, if you have some sort of, let's say, some sort of your conviction about scripture or your conviction about the way your polity should be. You need to change that within the structure of the bylaws that you already have. So you don't just go in and ignore it. Or Yeah, that's right. Or, that gets you
1: in dangerous territory.
0: It's like you can really get in legal trouble. You can't make decisions outside of the way that the church has constituted to make decisions. And so uh, there's a number of situations where because our polity is a little bit different than what's expected of the bank, per se, we had to actually go back and do something different at the next uh, you know church conference membership meeting. Get it, you know, formally done the way that the bank needed or something, in order to go forward. So you really do need to know the bylaws and not just ignore them.
1: I'll give you an actual example that's happening right now this week at our church. Okay. So we're, hold, you know, holding our annual our, our our members meeting this weekend at our North Georgia campus. Well, we had announced it. We we're excited about it. We're moving forward with it. And then one of our lead team members comes to me about four weeks ago and says, "Mike, I was looking at our bylaws, and our bylaws stipulate members meetings." are to be held on the church campus in Chattanooga, Tennessee. That's what the oh, bylaw wow. says. And I realized, oh my word, like okay, so I start my mind starts thinking like is there a way around it? Like a, you know, what? Yeah. And and then I thought, well, you know what? We could probably just very first thing at the members meeting, we could say Um, We're going to propose a change to the Constitution and uh, we're going to we're going to change the wording of this. But then I thought, you know what? All it would take is one person who's not happy with the decision to contest it. And legally, they're right. Uh, We could we could everything we would vote on at that at that members meeting would be legally invalid because we'd been operating in a manner inconsistent with our bylaws. Now, that sounds goofy. And here's the way we're fixing it after all of our members after all of our worship services this weekend, you know, like 4 or 5 hours before our members meeting, <laughs> we're going to have just a tiny 3-minute business session at the end of our services where we say we're going to vote on the change in the constitution. The new language that we're changing says all members meetings must be held on a campus of Brainerd Baptist Church. That's the new language. Uh, they just and there was nobody has an objection to it. It's going to, you know, I think it's probably going to pass unanimously. Mm-hmm. Um, they just weren't thinking of a multi-site church when they put those bylaws in place. But but that little tweak, I know it's a pain. I know we don't want to do a little member session at the, end of our members, at the end of our worship services, but if we didn't pay attention to that sort of thing, all it would take is one member who mm-hmm. disagreed with this—you know—with the structure, the, the path that we took, and legally they would have the right to, to call us on it. You've got to know right. your bylaws. You've got to understand them, and you've got to work in a way that's consistent with them. And yes, there are times when it's a pain, and yes, there are times when it's frustrating, but I'm telling you, you're going to be better off in the long run if you'll do that.
0: And I've just found like what you were talking about with Missouri Valley. We had a number of those situations here as well, where um, even what you were doing at Missouri Valley or this little change you're making there at Brainerd is just it just takes somebody to stand up and logically say, this this doesn't make sense anymore for us in this setting. It was a good idea at the time or, you know, I understand why it came about, but could we change this now? And um, here's what I proposed. And you you I have never once had anybody fight me on those things. They're just like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do it the right way. Let me, Instead get, of let just me give you the way we've done
1: it. two more practical tips. Yeah. Um, number one, no Robert's rules of order. I know that sounds mm-hmm. goofy. If you have members meetings, you need to know Robert's rules of order. If you know Robert's rules of order and you don't have to have the whole thing memorized, you just need to know how to function. How are, how are motions made? How are they seconded? Which motions need seconds and which ones don't? That sort of thing. If you know that you immediately become the expert in the room. And it, it immediately gives you authority. It's amazing. All you have to do is know Robert's Rules of Order, and it automatically it, it gives you authority in the room. Uh, the second thing I would say is, if you're the senior pastor, this is my opinion, and I have a feeling you're going to disagree with me on this one, Josh. <laughs> but uh, you go for it. My recommendation is that you find a way to not be the moderator of the of the members meeting. Uh-huh. Um, you have someone else moderate it. Uh, I did moderate members' meetings for years at the first two churches I pastored, and I do not. Uh, I do not anymore. Um, we have a, a our, our bylaws give me the right as the senior pastor to appoint someone to moderate our business meetings and so I have a lay person who moderates our business meetings and when he's not available our executive pastor does it um, but I found that to be extraordinarily helpful because I want to be able to speak into issues and when I'm moderating technically I'm not supposed to really speak into issues that much and so uh, I let them moderate it I sit in the back of the room or off to the side let the bit in the members meeting go as it's going to go and if I need to if they need me to speak into something I step up and I speak into it but it's been a whole lot help uh, it's been really helpful for me in, in that regard. That's cool.
0: I don't disagree. Uh, We don't actually use Robert's Rules of Orders. And some people, some churches use them. We in our bylaws have, it's essentially, and we didn't come up with it. We actually found it somewhere. Um, it's a modified version of Robert's Rules of Order. It's much simpler, easy. There's less, you know, complications on like what kind of rules, those sort of things. So, um, but that I know what we're doing. So um, you do need to know very well what your, That's your right. way of doing things is. Yeah. The moderator thing, I just you know, I've just always done it. I like it. Um, I kind of have a knack for explaining complicated things in a way that nobody's upset about, but. I do see the advantage if, you know, if I was at maybe a larger church, which is probably a big difference in this because we're at a smaller church or a medium size and y'all are a larger one. So, Um, but I agree. Yeah, you can speak into it. I think there's much more strength if you're not the moderator. Mm -hmm. It also kind of, there have been times where I'm accused of manipulating. Yeah, Um, that's right. If somebody doesn't agree with something, they say, well, you just manipulate. And, you know, I can prove I wasn't trying to manipulate. And also, that's just a very basic idea of manipulation. All communications manipulation. So, right. Sure. Um, but if you're not the moderator, you can say, "No, I didn't." I mean, I just had a vote, and I just sat there. So, um, <laughs> exactly. You know, you know. So that's right. I sat in the very front and turned around when everybody voted, but I didn't manipulate anybody. So, <laughs> <laughs> so very good. So, of course, everybody has um, different variations and versions of this, but it's important. And I think you hit something on the head there. It seems that younger uh, ministers tend to kind of push away from these things. And so they need to, to respect them, and it, it'll it help them a lot in their leadership credentials and um, just the strength of demanding meaning. I will also say look, if you're, an, let's say, a seasoned pastor, and maybe you're on your way out in a few years, those sort of things, um, you know, think about it this. When you're no longer controlling the situation by the power of your personality or your your accomplishments and stuff like that. How's the next leader going to lead those things? And the, you could be inadvertently creating some issues if you're just leading more by your personality than the bylaws. And so kind of creating a structure that will let live past you is a benefit Past to, to not do away with the accomplishments you have made. So I'm not saying you know, you need to follow everything. Of course, you're seasoned and I respect you, but at the same time, it could create future problems. So both sides of this equation really do need to pay attention to how they're supposed to make decisions.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's a good session. It's not the uh, sexiest uh, podcast topic we've ever dealt with, but man, it's important.
0: It's so important. So hit us up on Twitter at EST Church if you have any questions, concerns, comments, and we'd love to hear your um, feedback on topic ideas, but uh, thanks for listening and we will check you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or listen online at lifewaypastors.com.